This episode of the Haunted Road Trip Show is brought to you by Evidential Medium, Tracy St. Croix. Are you ready to find solution, acceptance, and closure for the traumas and hurts you experience in this world? Visit www.tracystcroixmedium.com and discover how an Arthur Finley College of Psychic Sciences trained evidential medium can provide life-changing experiences by connecting deceased loved ones with friends and family to achieve peace and closure. Welcome to the Haunted Road Trip Show, where we bring you powerful conversations, insights, and exciting site investigations that reveal the paranormal world in a way you've never seen before, up until now. Tune in and become part of a community that enjoys the thrill of finding out what the paranormal world wants to teach you and solve the issues. Be sure to visit our website at www.hauntedroadtripsshow.com. And while you're there, subscribe to us via your favorite network. Now, prepare to have your thirst for curiosity satisfied as you enjoy ghost stories, haunted house stories, and more. Hello, everybody out there in internet, TV, voice land, wherever you might be listening and watching from. Yes, it is your favorite preferred podcast host, Tracy St. Croix. And if you are hearing my voice, you know you are about to become drawn into another wonderful episode of Haunted Road Trips show where paranormal history is dying to be heard. And today, you guys, I can't wait to tell you how I met this woman because it's wonderful. I have Lara Saltman with me. She is an absolute, not only is she a wonderful human being, but she's a certified mindfulness meditation teacher, as well as an author, speaker, TV, and digital host. This woman's got an illustrious career, y'all, and I think she's only like 23. She's <laughs> <laughs> Love you. She, yeah, she refers to herself as a conscience channel, meaning she is able to use and translate words and dialogues coming directly from source or, as her books describe it, the all. She has created four books on spiritual laws and principles using that voice within. The all is every. The all of everything. The all of the all. That all, that is wisdom of that all. Yes, I had to rehearse that. Yes, show them, yes, show them off, girls. Show them. Pretty. Actually, today is her, I've decided that this book is a she. Um, today is her second anniversary of being in the world. So happy birthday. The toddler, my book now. Happy, happy birthday. She describes them as essential Bibles of all sorts to awakening the truth of love and the energy of all. She is a fabulous, intuitive medium. She went from, you know, access Hollywood to Hollywood healer, y'all. And I am, like, thrilled to be able to talk to her. Welcome, Laura. Thank you. Thank you for having me. I love these topics. And anytime I get to talk... I could talk to people every day on, 
you know, for hours and hours about this stuff because I find it, you know, sometimes just people don't care. But if you're on a podcast with someone who's interested, then you know that it's just like you can go and dive into these really fun, epic conversations. Yes, exactly. Like sometimes you get on podcasts and you're like, oh, my God, does this person even know how to spell spirituality? But OK, here we go. <laughs> but yes. Folks, we're going to have an off-the-cuff talk. You know how I am. I don't really have, you know, certain plans for a conversation. But what I was really interested in when I first met Laura, by the way, we belong to a same uh, similar Facebook group that helps podcasters and guests find podcasts and guests. And apparently we have quite the synchronicity in people that we know as well. But... She has a lot of ghost stories, and the types of ghost stories she has are about um, graveyards, hotels, cruise ships, <laughs> myths. You guys, we hit the mother load here, and I can't wait to hear it. Okay. So, tell us, like, the first time, Laura, that you were like, damn. I'm a straight up badass medium. I can't talk to like dead people. Like what, what was that moment like for you? Well, that actually came later. Cause what right. happened was like in my twenties, I started like just sensing energy in the room and feeling like there was something there, not really understanding what it was. And now it, it really wasn't until I took my journey of like being a metaphysical teacher that I started with the mediumship. And it was almost like, a fluke like it just kind of happened and then I was like oh okay now I'm talking to dead people all right we're doing that now great and it's been like that with all the things like first I did that and then I was a channel and then I was doing different things so it's just like it's as we kind of awaken to that part of ourselves if you just keep going with it more and more of that just begins to unlock where you get to become more of the true essence of what is possible somebody asked me the other day like and with wide-eyed curiosity I watched a podcast with you and you said that everybody has the capability to be a medium. Is that true? And I was like, yeah, it absolutely is. I mean, the entire definition of a medium is that we're over here in our physical body and they're over there in their non-physical body and they can't come be in the physical anymore and we can't go to the non-physical until we're ready. So we meet in the middle and that's what a medium is. So everybody has the ability to come to the middle. It's just that most of us don't know how to come to the middle and so we don't or somebody on the other side isn't that good at coming to the middle. So if you're not super, super tapped into that, you can't draw that out of them. But if you are like you are, then when, when they're not that good at coming to the middle, you kind of know how to communicate with them to at least get some information that will help whoever you're speaking to. Exactly. That's a very good explanation because I can tell a lot of times, like I know right away how like when a spirit is coming near me or approaching me, I can, I can tell with a few signs and symbols about how they passed. Like if they're really far away from me, I, that's a symbol for, you know, um, that they might have had a hand in helping themselves to the other side or, you know, in some way, shape or form, or, you know, if they come like super, super close and they want to just like hug me, then I know like, they might have passed super, super quick and unexpected and they need to give some hugs and some goodbyes. Yeah. 
Yeah, we develop a language too. Like that's yeah. all, like your language is different to, than my language. I have a language that I utilize as well, and that's what works for me. And it's like that becomes my sort of um, guidebook and playbook for that. And then you assign different things to me, and then when you see it, you're like, oh, okay, that's what that means. And I also have recognized like over the years that you know you and I are having a conversation. We have a different our own personalities. And there's an energy between us because we're, we have commonalities. And then you can go on other podcasts and do other interviews and you have a different energy with people because they have a pers- different personality. And it's the same when spirits on the other side and their non-physical aspect of themselves. They still keep their personality. They've just lost all the fear that comes with being in a body. And so somebody who's like uber excited, like with life and joyful is going to come through in th- that way. And if your grandpa was not like going to stand in front of a group of 100 people and talk to you, chances are he's not going to come to a group session where there's 100 people in the audience and come through because that wasn't his personality. He's not one to be gregarious. So that kind of comes in for me as well where I recognize and understand why sometimes it can be more challenging for people on the other side to to come through. Yeah, I, I, I educate a lot of my audiences and a lot of my one-on-ones about that. I oftentimes my saying is like, I can't make the dead talk to me anymore and I can't make the living return. It to me. <laughs> yes, exactly. Like, <laughs> it's so true, right? Like, yeah, like I, I can't, I can't control who comes through because people will say like, Oh, I want to hear from my mom. Well, you know what? Maybe your mom doesn't, isn't ready. And she's not, you know, she, or maybe mom has decided that it's best for this particular time in your life that you don't hear from her. So I, I will bring through whoever wants to come in. And if they're here, you're going to know because they're going to give you something that I could have never known rather than that like, oh, your mom's here. I feel her energy and she loves you. No, if, if, I, if I can't tell you something specific that I could have never known about that person or a part of your life, then that's not mom coming through. So you have to be very open to you might want to hear from Cousin Randy and it's, you know, Joe, Bob, Jim, who comes through. Cousin Randy. I think of <laughs> National Lampoon's. You're like, wait, what's going on? And sometimes they'll come through, I've noticed, like, to, to give a specific message that you needed to hear that you didn't remember or, you know, like, there's always a reason. There really yeah. is. Always and is. that's what I tell. And a lot of times, you know, the messages that come through, I tell people like, sometimes you'll accept a certain message. Say, say you have a cousin that you were close to and you'll accept a message like, you know, get the lead out of your butt and go back to school or do whatever, but you wouldn't have heard that or you wouldn't have accepted that style of message from your mother, maybe because you had a different relationship with your mother and you'd have been like, Oh, she's overbearing again and telling me what to do with my life. Where if it was your cousin, you'd be like, Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. I'll do that. Yeah. And so it's all about like, they understand dynamics. I tell them all the time, like, let spirit organize it. Like, cause they, you know, we can only see a pigeonhole and they have a big broader point of the picture than what we do oftentimes. And oftentimes, like, even when I'm in mediumship demos or somewhere and I'm like, Oh, you know, I hope I hear from such and such, you know, but I just kind of let it go. And if they come through, they come through. And if they don't, then I take what I need and I leave the rest. Yeah. And a lot of times because, you know, there's a thread that binds us all. We all have some of the same problems and issues. So I always tell people when I do, especially live stuff, that listen, you may not hear from your person specifically, but I promise you that there is a message within that, especially in like big, big groups. So if you've got 2,000 people 
just statistically alone, you're going to find a group of people who lost someone to a car accident. You're going to find a group of people who had had cancer. You may find one or two people who drowned. You you definitely find a few people who died by suicide. So there's always that, you know, different themes that come in. And immediately, like, then, like, when you say, like, oh, I have someone here um, who drowned, all of a sudden, you know, three people are like, oh, that's my person. And then you start to kind of have to weed out. But even in that message, there's always something there. It's like your person is there too in spirit, even if they can't completely come through. Yeah. I always say like, if it, if that message, even if you don't know that person or it sounds like the person who's coming through getting them or the, the spirit is giving a message to somebody else, if that's hitting you in the truth spots. Yes. You know, yeah. 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 And you get in the tinglys and the down unders or wherever. Yeah. Like take it. Yeah. Own it. Own it and be like, you know what? I didn't get a direct message, but I got a cleat on. And that's just as good. Yep. Yeah. And the point is that people leave a session or a group with the knowledge that our loved ones are gone from our physicalness, but they're never truly gone. You know, and I think that's the, that's what everybody, they want to believe in something greater than just the life that we were living. And I think even if you, don't hear it from yours. You see the impact. You see people crying and like when someone hit the medium hits upon those specific facts. And if you're sitting in the room, you're just like, okay, there's gotta be something else. Yes. And I think that, you know, that's one thing about our culture. I would say is Western cultures that we've been taught to like fear, fear and fight aging and death, Mm -hmm. right? It's something that we we better do all these rituals and things or we could end up in a bad place, right? Or, you know, whatever your religious belief was. When in all actuality, like a lot of other, you know, belief systems are are a lot calmer about it. Like it's like Taylor Swift says, like, you need to calm down. <laughs> like, <laughs> it's It's more of like this, you know, ending of one thing big in your life and the beginning of something new. Yeah. So I tell people, it's like, if you've ever gotten married or bought your first house, you know, you are literally like leaving one life behind and starting another, you know, same kind of, you know, not exactly the same situation, but you get the drift people. Right. Yeah. So, I want to know some, I, I want to know some, I, I want to know about these graveyards and hotels and cruise ships, girl. I'm, okay. I'm dying. So, okay. So tell us about We're going to go backwards. We're going to start right there at the graveyard. So I went to New Orleans with a friend just very recently. I'd never been there. We have a friend, it was her birthday. And so we surprised her and I was like, I got to go to the graveyards. We got to go to the graveyards. We're going to do the graveyard tours because they have in New Orleans, the graveyards that are above ground. They don't bury them in the ground because of the sea level. And so I went like thinking I was going to like, you know, have some encounters with some spirits on the other side at this graveyard. And so I get there. And while it was very interesting and it's really cool to see all that, it was the quietest place I've ever been in. Like, sometimes you can walk into a hotel and you can feel energy. At this graveyard, it was nothing. So because, you know, I'm able to channel, I actually walked away. I don't even think my friend noticed that I did this. But I actually walked away for a minute and just kind of, like, went into trance and went into meditation. And I asked, like, why is there no spirits here? And the answer I heard was because 
they're not going to hang out in a cemetery. They have no interest in, they don't need to be there. Like that's you, you guys need that. You need to have a symbolic thing that says my person was here. Whereas when we're in our non-physical, all of that stuff is just silly human stuff. So they're not going to hang around there. That doesn't mean that if you were there, you couldn't call upon them and say, hey, I'm visiting you and putting flowers here. Can you come in and let me know you're here? And sometimes unintentionally or even even unconsciously, sometimes consciously, we'll go into it. So we'll go visit a loved one at a cemetery, and then we will feel and sense them. But trust me, they're not hanging out in their bones or their cremated ashes there. They will come to you through that intention, whether conscious or unconscious. But it was a very quiet, it was actually a very peaceful experience for me because I wasn't getting any any talking or languaging until I actually sought the answers. Exactly. I tell people a lot, like, if you die, right, you're in heaven. Yeah. You can go anywhere. You go anywhere. Exactly. Go yeah. anywhere. You don't have this meat suit anymore. Are yeah. you really going to go pick to hang out at your grave? Yeah. Yeah. Like, that that wouldn't even be on my, like, top 1,000. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, unless a loved one was there is what I say. And I tell a lot of people, I think that what you're picking up on in graveyards and what I've noticed a lot of, it's not actual spirits. It's the residual energy of funerals. It's the residual energy of the grief. And it's also the aggregors that people create that are there. Yeah, 100%. You and I speak the same language. That's the thing about the hotels and the cruise ships is it's the story of the energy that lingers there because we've created it. So for me, like the Queen Mary, I've been on the Queen Mary and I knew exactly on the Queen Mary that it was about the story, that there wasn't any ghost or spirits hanging around there, that it's that we've, we've created and almost like, it's like putting the energy in a little bottle and keeping it there and putting it on display. So we've just kept the energy of the stories that are there. So when people go in, they pick up on the energy and then there were also meaning makers. And so we self create things. So you might go into, so somebody might say to you, oh, the Queen Mary or this place is haunted. And then you believe within every fiber of your being that it's haunted. So then you take that with you into that experience. And then that's when you might start hearing things. And then you're convinced that it's it's a ghost when actually it's just the story that you now decided upon for yourself. So we, I, you know, I believe based on what I've written in my books is we create what we believe. So a lot of that can be self-created. And again, it doesn't mean that I you may, somebody might pop in. Like if you're there and you have the attention to connect with someone and you set that intention out there, then they may pop in. Like they, you know, they may pop in for a second to say hello to you or, you know, flicker your lights to let you know that they're there. But it's really, we have to call on them. I kind of liken it to um, like our iPhone. So if you and I are, now we're on a, a, you know, this Zoom call together, right? Or if I wanted to call you or text you, I can't do that through telepathy. In, I mean, I can, but it takes it takes some control here. But the easiest way to communicate as humans is to send a text or write an email or get on a call and, and actually call. So if our loved ones are in spirit, it works exactly the same way. They're not going to come through unless we have a mechanism to kind of like push them. So that's our, our telepathy. So through telepathy, we can communicate that we're interested. Or, you know, we can, you know, kind of prod and, and poke them if we're somewhere we're like I'm thinking about my loved one I really wish they were here you know they would have loved this mountain this beach whatever and then boom it's like you calling them on the iPhone sending them a message that says I'm here and that's when they kind of pick up on the ping 
And then they can sort of show up in that space for you. And that's when they'll send you a butterfly, a dragonfly, the, the porcupine, whatever the essence of something to let you know, hey, I heard you. That's exactly how I explain it to people. It's like, tell, you know, your loved ones hear you when you're thinking and talking about them. It's like sending a, you know, a text message mm-hmm. and they get it and they send you something back. Sometimes you receive it and other times it goes over your head and that's okay. But, you know, you're, you're trying, you're working on it. Yeah. Yeah. Because a lot of these, when I hear, especially for the other side of the podcast, the on-site investigations, you know, a lot of people will be like, why don't you go to, you know, the Queen Mary and why don't you go to, you know, this haunted place and that haunted place? I'm like, because they've been, they've been covered a lot. And I would rather go to places that I know you can really do some hardcore education for the public on versus just maybe repeating what's already there and maybe not even having the proper time to investigate because I tell people a lot, a lot of times you're not getting much time at these places to investigate. You know, you're not getting really kind of a whole lot of free range depending on the show that you're on. So it's, uh, I would rather go somewhere that's less publicized. Yeah. Yeah, I totally. And I've got a podcast coming up, like you just talked about, about a very, very well-known haunted place that that I knew. I was like, I don't think that story is true at all. And through some history and some research and some stuff I come across on the internet, I'm going to be doing a really wicked podcast about um, the Myrtle Plantation. Mm, I love it. I love it. I love all this stuff. Okay, so now let's go backwards. I said I was going to okay, say, yeah, yeah. Go go back. to the beginning. So where it all sort of started was when I was like uh, in my 20s and my Nana had passed away and I was in her, her home and I just got a sense that she was there. And that's where I kind of like started to pick up on energy. So I'd go into different places and I would always be the person that would be like, somebody died here. And then my friends or whoever was like, yeah, they did. How do you know that? And I'm like, I don't know. I just pick up on it. Like, so that's where I had the kind of the clue that something was going on. But what, what really started me on that knowing was I had just bought a house in California and I was there for three days and I'm living in the house. And then in the middle of the night, it was like three o'clock in the morning. I heard voices. I woke up, heard voices like talking and it sounded like, like it was like reverberating underneath my floors. Like the floors were shaking that the reverberation of the voice. It was very booming male voice. And I was like, okay, what is that? So I get up and I'm like looking everywhere for where this voice is coming from. Was there a radio, a TV on? Were my neighbors like outside? Nope, nothing. I mean, nothing, literally nothing. So I was like, okay. And it didn't feel scary. I was just like, okay, this is weird. So then I go to bed the next night, same thing. I'm woken up at like three in the morning. And this time I hear that same booming male voice. And then I hear a female voice and they're kind of talking to one another. And again, I'm like, okay, somebody has to be talking outside my house. So I go outside, I go to the side, like there is nothing. It is nowhere, no one anywhere. So I was like, okay, this is so weird. So the very next day, I go next door to my neighbor and I just moved in, but I had met them. And so I knock on the door and I was like, okay, so I have a really weird question because I know in California, I believe you have to disclose it. I'm like, has anybody ever died in my house? Because I said, I feel like I would have picked up on that. And I definitely am not picking up on that when I, when I bought the house. And her face, talk about going ghost white. Like, she went ghost white, and she looks at me, and she's like, well, not in the house, but somebody died in the driveway. 
And it turned out that the person who bought, who, who had owned the home originally and built the house, they were neighbors. And her son at the time was a teenager and he was mowing lawns. And the owner of the home had a heart attack in the driveway, fell over, died. Her son actually, he actually died in her son's arm. So you can see why she would have gone ghost white. So I said, well, what happened to, well, first I was, you know, profusely apologetic and I felt so bad for bringing up that triggering memory, but I also needed to know the information. So I asked her, well, whatever happened to the woman who, like, who was his wife? And she's like, well, it's been a while. I think she's in a nursing home in Northern California. And I said, do you happen to know which one? And she's like, I think so. She goes back, she, and she writes it down. She hands me a piece of paper. I'm like, great. So I go back to my job. I was working at Access Hollywood at the time, and I was working on the umbrella of NBC News. So I pick up the phone, and I call this nursing home in Northern California under the guise that I work for NBC News, and I'm just doing a story, and I need to talk to the woman. And I said her name, and she said to me, oh, honey, I'm so sorry. She died last night. And I'm sitting at my desk going, what? And like all the people that I work with, they all come around. I'm sure many of them remember this day because I was like, are you okay? I'm going to say, yeah, she died that night. So what was happening was they weren't in my home, obviously, because I knew that. I I hadn't picked up on them when I was looking to buy the house. But when she was ready to cross over, my guess is that her brain created for her a situation where she was in her home, in her bedroom. That's probably where she wanted to die anyway. And she had, you know, that was where they had their love story in that house. So he came to speak to her, to tell her, like, you know, I'm here and blah, 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 blah. And then eventually she said her goodbyes. And then once she was there, they met in the house. He explained to her who she is and that it's time to go. And then, boom, gone. And I never, ever, ever felt their energy after that whole situation. And that was the first time that I was 100% confident that where we go was this is not the end that we go somewhere when we cross and that we are greeted by our loved ones when it's time oh yes wow (laughs) that's a crazy story right yes that is like a crazy like i call it the gong moment like you can't like you can't deny that reverberation (laughs) like no i mean i mean and you know it's like our brain also tends to remember traumas in our life and it also remembers those big giant gong moments. And so it's something I will never forget. I probably told the story 10 or 15 times in different places, but it's just something that always will stick with me. And even when I'm having doubts, because eventually sometimes we do fall into our humanness and then we, you know, we, we life lives. And then that, that story always kind of takes me back to remember like, oh my God, there's so many things. And I have so many other stories about not even only being a medium and what I've uncovered, but going to mediums and, and what they've been able to tell me as mediums, where it's just like, you can't make that. We always say you can't make the shit up. Like you cannot make this shit up. It's a good topic. So I'm big on educating the public on finding yeah. appropriate work, you know, metaphysicians to work with, whatever you're, you're looking at. So tell me about some of your experiences going to other mediums and like, how did you, you know, like, how did that all go? Yeah. So there are some that I've been to that were not good and they were, you know, trying their best to bring people in and they were never my people and it just never connected. And, uh, you know, and those were earlier on, but as I've become a medium, if I go to other mediums, typically like I have pretty decent experiences. I always tell people like one of the reasons that you can't bring your own people in is your own grief will keep them away because the fear keeps them away. So it's better for you to go to other mediums. So what was happening though, I don't know if this ever happens to you, is because you are a medium, if you go to a group 
with other people, your loved ones who know that you're a medium, they're always the ones that come in first. And then I feel guilty because I'm, I always feel like I'm taking time away from other people who need it. Whereas my loved ones, like they're just like, they come in. So I, I end up like the, the mediums get annoyed with me because they always, I'm always the first person. So I've tended to not go to groups anymore with mediums. If I ever do it, I, I will go to one person because I've had some great experiences where my brother has come through, but then he comes through in other people's readings and it's like, okay, Jason, stop, like stop horning in on this person's reading. Yeah. But Jason feels like when you mentioned his name, he right away feels like that kind of like prankster guy, like I'm going to do it. Cause I'm going to get a laugh out of you or I'm going to get a rise out of the room. He's a total jokester, so he loves to, like, manipulate energy. And one time I went to this one woman in L.A. She was very well-known. I don't know if she was a medium, but she she did, like, palm reading. And she said to me, and it was pretty recent after my brother had passed away, she's like, oh, yeah, he's a prankster. He's going to play a joke on you. She's like, wait, like, wait until you see. You're going to laugh out loud. And I swear to God, within 60 seconds, I got up, I grabbed my bag, and I left to go to the elevator. I get to the elevator, and I start to get on the elevator, and the elevator doors keep opening and shutting. <laughs> and I was like, okay, Jason. Thank you for that <laughs> message. Yeah, he's, he's funny. There's one medium that I, that I had met who actually really helped me understand, like, what it was. And his name is De- Dennis Jackson and his wife, Alice Jackson. They live out in Washington State. And I did a little group meeting in my home. And again, I do it for other people. But at the time, he's like, okay, who's Albert? And no one knew who it was. And I'm like, Albert, I know an Albert. And he's like, okay. And he keeps showing me like something with his head. Like he's like getting bashed in the head. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, you're there. And then he did, he said something that just blew my mind. He's like, and did he used to walk around with a little cart in the office? And I was like, oh. That's Albert. Albert used to walk around in the in the office with this little cart and he used to drop off his um like his his tapes and the scripts and it's like, oh my God, I love it. You know, those moments. And so when you have those type of people, they just really it just it really is beautiful. I've been able to do that for people as well. Like I there was one woman where her son, who had passed away, was so good at giving information. He literally described his entire bedroom for me. So I was able to, like, get an image, and, he, and I was like, okay. So I see the poster. The poster, I don't, I don't want to give away who it is, but he, he described exactly the poster that was on his wall. He described where the window was placed. He described the trophies that were on his desk. He described what his bedding looked like. I mean, it was, like, so detailed. And to me, it's like, I think it's because they're so good at communicating that they were able to bring through. That's not every experience that I've had, but those type of like profound experience. I don't know if you found this, but I found that, that the people who are the best communicators in their non-physical are young. They're usually 20s, 30s, and the older they get, sometimes the less like detail oriented they are with stuff. But when you're young, I guess there's something about dying young that allows you to really give decent information? I think, and I received that as well with younger people who have passed away. And I feel like it's more like an eagerness to convey the continuation of life to their loved ones because they either died young or very tragically or whatever it is. Whereas it's it's older, it, it tends sometimes to be more about like, I don't need to bring such the details, you know, through about my bedspread more is I need to talk about things that were unsaid or left behind or, you know, relieve a burden or whatever 
whatever it may be on that. But I have found that like when I'm in like a group and there, there is a medium there. I try to tell my loved ones, I'm like, look, it's for everybody else. I can, you know, like I'm good with you guys. Like I want everybody else to share. And sometimes it works and sometimes it doesn't because I do know as a medium and I demo a lot that sometimes, you know, um, people like our, our people in spirit, they're kind of low hanging fruit. So they're easy to get for the medium to start their engine, to start up, Yeah, yeah. you know, prime to keep going maybe for the loved one who's kind of like a little hesitant to come through or, you know, yeah. whatever it may be. So yeah. I'm kind of like, I don't want to hog space, you know, because I want other people to get messages, but you know, but even as a medium, if you've had people who passed away, though, like you still want to hear from them, even from other mediums. I mean, it's just I do. I, so I, nice I, to hear that and to know that they're still around. I mean, it just is what it is, right? <laughs> it is what it is. It's really, it really is, uh, you know, miraculous. I, I still get, like, I still get starstruck about mediumship and transmediumship and things like that. I'm just like, wow. Like, yeah. people have no idea that how we can really, how everybody can train their mind to get a message from spirit. Not everybody is supposed to be a medium and a professional medium and professional psychic, but everybody can train their brain to slow down, take it down. I tell my students all the time, I'm taking you down into first gear and that's where you're going to stay at. Yep. To get those, those messages. But it's, I, I tell people all the time, like it, you know, people ask me a lot, like, do you hear ghosts everywhere? Do you hear spirits everywhere? I'm like, no, <laughs> like, that I would be a hard way to live if that was like, if you were like, if you were always open like that, and it was constantly coming at you, I think it'd be really challenging. So it'd be exhausting. But, yeah. Like, have you watched that show? Um, I And I've only watched the BBC version of it, Ghosts. Oh, my God. I love Ghosts. I've only watched the CBS version. I love Oh, the BBC show. version is just hilarious. Yeah. <laughs> I love it. I'll have to I, watch the BBC. I love the CBS version. It's, it's, yes. I, I, I think it, I'm like, I would go nuts if I was that woman. Like, I would just, I would be like, you got to be kidding me. Like, <laughs> like you cannot come around here like I would probably designate like one wing of the house I'd be like y'all stay over there um because I tell people all the time it can be overwhelming because we still got miles to feed bills to pay emails to answer groceries to shop things to do and I don't know about you but I I tell a lot of spirits if they are able to get my attention in public that I tell them it's their responsibility for their loved one to come to me and get an appointment with me because I don't know how their loved one feels about their death or their spirituality because they could be very, I, I tell this and it sounds cruel, but they could be very happy that you are no longer in a physical body. Right. Yeah. I don't know. No, I, I, I liken it to, you got to ask to receive. And if you don't ask, then the people don't want to receive. So I, I, I tend to not, unless it's like, so clear like someone's about to get hurt because that did happen one time in a grocery store where it was like a little girl was about to get hurt something was about to fall on her and I was like okay I gotta go over and say something and move them out of the way like but it has to be something like that otherwise I just let it be and even sometimes with like my friends I have to like pick and choose because you know it obviously if they're my friends I know some of the details but I know when someone's trying to get a message through and so sometimes I'm just like you know what 
not now, not time. Like we'll do it another, you know, at another time. So, but then if they ask me and I'm able to, I'm always willing to. If I'm being asked, like, hey, can you try to bring something through? Can't always do it because they may not be wanting to on the other side. But I will always try because I know how impactful it is for myself. Yeah, sometimes it is. It is definitely. I I like to say like it's a it's a pick or choose situation depending on the emotional cue of the person you're gonna be be talking to. I always say like know who you're you know know who you're channeling for first. Like know what their emotional disposition is, and then move from there. Proceed from there because I tell my students all the time: just because you can doesn't mean you have to. Right, and sometimes what I found is that. Some of the messages that come through from our loved ones in spirit in the non-physical realm are things that they need to get off their chest that might actually not make you feel too good. And this has happened to me countless times where someone who has died relatively young, whether it's in their 30s, 40s, even early 50s, has said, like, I had a choice to come back. And I know you're grieving my loss, but once I got to the other side and I recognized who I truly was and... I had the choice to go back into my physical body. It, there was no choice. Like I wasn't going back to a broken body or I wasn't going to go back to the financial crisis I was in. And, and so it can be very jarring to hear that someone that you loved made a choice to, to continue on, but they needed to get that off their chest. They need you to know that, that they made that. Cause we think that, you know, life is, is you know, such the gift, but it actually, that's the gift, right? Heaven is where, Things are much easier because we don't have the fear that we have on planet Earth. So for them to make that choice. But we feel as if they slighted us. Like, how could you? Because I said this about my dad because my dad died by suicide. And I was like, how could you leave behind? Okay, yes, I know you were suffering, but you had a wife. You had uh, your two children that were still alive. You had a grandchild that was on the way, wasn't even born yet. And you had, at the time, two other grandchildren. Like, how could you leave all of that? And continue on to the other side. And, you know, I had to come to terms with the pain that he was in. Like, so I couldn't understand it at the time. But let me tell you, I completely understand the pain that he was going through. Because part of our journey here on Earth, I believe, is that we're meant to understand everybody. So the minute that you say, oh, I could never understand why somebody does that. Oh, trust me, you'll be made to understand. So I do understand what my dad was going through. And now I do recognize and understand why he continued on and said, I don't want to, I don't want to journey back. So it can be challenging to hear that stuff. But I think if we can like open up our awareness and be more an observer instead of so in our humanness, I think it can also be cathartic to hear that. No, a hundred percent. And I had uh, my mother, my mother committed suicide when I was a young child. And I, even just in these past few years, have come to have a lot more compassion about that decision and why she made that decision and what, you know, what she was actually experiencing and her, you know, her kind of experience. Right. Was she hearing voices? Um, she was not hearing, hearing voices. She um, had really bad postpartum depression which turned into horrible, you know, hormone imbalances. And we're talking late 80s, so there's... Well, there's nothing around that. There was nothing around except for you're going to get locked up into a mental institution, basically. Yeah. And, you know, I, I won't go through all the horrible details, but it was like, 
there, you know, there, it was either like institutions or death for her in her mind. Yeah. When that's it in her mind, in her mind, in her mind, it was, and, and honestly, when I look at it, though, I think those are the voices that were in her head is her own, her own trauma, her own darkness speaking to her. And it is, you know, and I have a lot of compassion for it as I get, you know, as I get older and I'm like, now I really understand what, what she was experiencing and the intensity level of it and what, you know, like why things happened and uh, from like a whole new perspective. And even though I hated that decision, I, I hate it. You know, I hated that my, my inner children had to go through that experience, but you know, it made me a more compassionate, empathetic person and it, and it molded who I am today. And I can literally feel the pain that you're yeah. like, I feel it. She's making me feel it right now. I can feel the pain that she was yeah. under. Like it was, it was like she had an elephant sitting on her chest and she couldn't breathe. Like oh, she, yeah. Yeah. And you know, the same thing, you know, I, I, you know, my, my father, he did the, you know, um, the kind of, of I'm just not going to take care of myself and then I'm going to die thing. So it was like a whole different experience um, to be able to go to her. But for people out there, like, you know, it being and not even just being a medium, but but having that ability to just kind of step back into like an observer or an awareness that there's more going on than what my eyes and my mind are telling me are there. Right. Like, I always tell my students, be curious like a child and ask, well, what else is here? Yeah. And what if I'm wrong? What is another, what is another view of this mm-hmm. situation to, op- you know, just to open up, open up your minds? Because I tell my students a lot, when you step through this door, you can try to slam it shut if you don't want to go through, but the light will always come under the cracks. Yeah, Absolutely. There, you know, it's always, you know, going to be calling you, you back, but this is, I mean, um, I have a question. Do you, you look now like your mom did around the time that she passed? I'm older than my mom ever made it. Yeah. But similarities in the way you look now, even though you're older. Um, now. So somebody who was in their thirties then looks like, like we do like in our forties, we look like in our thirties now, (laughs) but back then. Your, you know, the ages was just a little. Has for fillers and Botox. Right? Exactly. <laughs> exactly. And okay. hopefully. I definitely have her, her, uh, the eyes, the, yeah. the eyes. Everybody's like, "Yep, it's the eyes, it's the eyes, and the lips." Yeah. So, she was, you know, a beautiful, beautiful person. But I, you know, and I think that that's also where you're, I tell people a lot, like, even if you're giving messages to friends and family, or you kind of sense something, and you're not really sure what the spirit is, more than likely, you've had the same life experience, or you can understand an experience that they're trying to bring through. Yeah. Yeah, because for me, it's not a complete and exact science. It's not a one to one translation most of the time. So it's putting pieces of a puzzle together. It's like, Oh, like, okay, this person is showing me a motorcycle right now. 
I like, what does that mean? Do you drive motorcycles? Does she drive a motorcycle? Oh, no, that's my dad. He owns a motorcycle shop. <laughs> oh, okay. Well, that's why I mean she owned a motorcycle. But you guys have to fill in a little bit of the details for us sometime. Like, we're not getting the, like, I wish that I had an IFB, which we use until, actually, I have it right here. Um, this is called an IFB, see? And it's, uh, you basically, when you're on television and you're like, so you're an anchor, right? And you're in your local news and you stick this in your ear and then they hide it. And the control room is talking to you and, and telling you exactly what to say, right? So I wish that I had that so I could have a direct conversation with someone and they could just say, like, hi, my name is Joe, and I died on Highway 972, and um, uh, my car was blue, and the bucket seats were green, and, like, I, I wish it could be. And not that every once in a while you don't get a really good spirit who is a really good translator, but a lot – like more often than not, it is like like what am I seeing? What am I? What's that mean? What does this mean? And then I think that once you kind of hit on things, once they know, then I feel like you you start to get more of a flow. Like once you kind of get those details, all of a sudden, then it can start to come in a little quicker. What it's almost like when you don't speak a language in the beginning, and then once you kind of understand the language, you can definitely have more of a dialogue with them. So we're still figuring out the languaging between the two of us. Oh yeah. That, that's how it is. I'm like, you guys step back and let the flow. Just like when, you know, the language thing is a perfect, yeah. perfect example of how everything, how everything goes. So we're going to play, we're going to, I'd like to play a couple of games. Okay. Little fun games. Okay. And the first game we're going to play is called what pops into your mind. Okay. So I'm going to say a word or a phrase and just say like the first thing that pops into your mind. Okay. What do you pops into your mind when you hear spirits that follow people home from home to home? Um, spirits that po- follow people from home to home means that it's somebody who's trying to get your attention. And the more scared you are, the more it'll seem as if it's dark energy. But the more you're open to understanding what that is and actually ask questions the more you can kind of figure out that that person is probably just trying to get your attention. Or you could be a really good cook and housekeeper and designer, and they just want to move to your next house because they're afraid forever moves and next is going to be wretched. <laughs> like the Beetlejuice thing, right? <laughs> they ruined their house on that. Okay. So let's see this. Okay. This is one of my favorite interesting, I don't think it goes under conspiracy theories, but it goes under like ancient aliens, interesting topics. Yeah. Hidden alien cities deep under the sea. Hidden alien cities under the sea. So from what I've learned as a channel writing my books is that in in a sense, we're all aliens. Like we've all been on other planets and places. There's not just Earth. There's many different places that exist. Earth is just one of the planets where we get to grow and evolve. And unfortunately, Earth is the planet where we grow and evolve through fear, which is why it's such a difficult planet to be on. But there's lots of places that we go. I, working with clients one-on-one, cannot tell you how many times that I have done mediumship readings and channeling for people who come from other places and planets where the, descri- the planets have been completely described for me, what they look like, they, like what moons look like, what the bodies look like, like all sorts of information. And what I know about Earth is that the, the current inception that we are in is not the only inception of Earth. So we have sort of blown up Earth, although it's not the earth that gets blown up it's actually everybody that's on it that gets blown up because of our 
greed, money, power, technology advances that we just didn't know how to utilize properly. And then the fear seeps in and the planet just implodes itself with all the people and has to begin again. So what I believe you're speaking of is there are some old remnants of those current, those other inceptions that are still not completely discovered. And I think over time, over the next century and even probably 200 centuries. So if anyone is watching this in, you know, 200 years from now, we're probably going to dig up a lot of that stuff. We're kind of, we're probably going to find more artifacts from those other inceptions as we go along. And I think everything is the way it's meant to be. We're only meant to find things when we're ready to receive it and understand it. I absolutely love that. Yeah. I, cause I am so intrigued with that, that they could be under the water in these huge cities and they're like mother ships under there. And, we have like no idea about it. And I think that's the perfect place to hide yeah. in plain sight. And also that. we don't know what that, that other inception of earth looked like. The, the, the entire dynamics of what the land and the sea look like could be different too. So there actually could be things hiding under what used to be the sea in the same way there could be things that are hiding what used to be the land. So we don't know what that, what, what we did to planet earth that had to kind of regenerate itself and how it regenerated itself. That is such, like, I'm going to be thinking about that all day. The thing about aliens, too, it's it's kind of one of those things where you just get, it sounds really weird, but then the more you do it and the more you you hear from people, like, that, oh, my God, I've always felt like an alien, or, yes, I've dreamed about that. Like, I had one guy who I had told him about a bunch of different planets that he lived on who I ended up finding out was an author of books about aliens. And I didn't know that. Like, I had no idea. And he starts talking to me like, yeah, I've seen all those things that he said. There was one guy, I'll never forget it because, you you know, you tend, I mean, I do so many readings that a lot of them I forget, but some of them really stick out. And yeah. this guy I'll never forget. He also, like, was one of those people that came to me. And as soon as I said, like, you're from, an, you're not from this planet. Like, you're from another planet. That's why you struggle on Earth. It's a really hard planet for you because your planet operates in a different system. So I was taken to his planet and on his planet, I was shown exactly what the bodies look like there. And then I was shown that on that planet, they don't have sun. They only have a, one moon. It's an orange moon. And the whole planet, everybody on this planet has to live in the moon. Otherwise, it would be completely dark. And so they live in, like, these, like, caves that they created. And it's, like, and I, as I was describing it, like, he's like, yeah, that's my dream. I've seen it. I've seen it. Like, everything I was describing, he had already seen and known. And, like, that's just one of, like, many examples where I've talked to people who have, other, you know, I've been in other places. I find that some of the people who struggle the most here have what we, what I would call from my books, just spiritually based confusion because earth is so difficult to live on when you've come from a planet outside of our solar system and different operating systems that love is more prominent, right? So we're always doing something about unconditional love and if we're closer back to love or we're more consciously aware that we're here having a, a experience, whether it's a human experience or some other body experience. And then you come to earth and it just feels so jarring. And so people kind of get into a madness that they don't recognize as that spiritually based confusion. So yeah. the other thing I've learned about is we're in the cosmos. So we live in the cosmos, but there's also other operating systems. So there's the manos and there's the xenos. Those are the two that I've, I've been taken to in those sort of alien um, encounters where I get to channel for people who've lived on other planets. So those are the two other things, the Manos and the Xenos. And there's more. It's really infinite, but 
what we're able to understand and comprehend based on where we are right now is is limited and it'll just continue to expand over the course of time. And I'm sure there's lots of people on this planet. If you go to like Gaia, the you know, the if it's a website or a streaming network, there's lots of different information about aliens in different places for sure. There is tons of it. And I have had some interesting encounters that we'll have to talk about later, even fairly recently with yeah. Our, our, what I like to call our galactic fellows. <laughs> yes, I like that. Yes, that they even left a mark on my body that I was like, hmm. yes, it was, it was wicked. It, it was wild. So let's play another game, shall we? Okay. Now this game involves just me doing a little this. I got to share my screen really, really quickly. Okay. There it goes. Okay. So. I love this Instagram page. Mm-hmm. It's called Cheap Old Houses. Okay. Okay. So I go on here. Yep. And I acquire their postings. Okay. For propaganda for my podcast. Got it. Okay. <laughs> and so the game that we're going to play okay. is called Are We Gonna Book It? Are we going to book it, girl? (laughs) Yeah. So we're going to look through here, and we're going to decide if we're going to stay or if we're going to go there. Okay. So first on tap, guys, we are in the wonderful land of Cleveland, Ohio. 125,000 for this beauty. And it has a tower in the house on there. The listing says... I normally disparage comments about hauntings, but I'm telling you, if I owned this house, I would happily haunt it to the end of eternity. And you can go on to the listing and you can read all about the ins and the outs of the houses. Okay. Let's take a look inside. So outside, I'm like, okay. I can already tell you some things about this house. just by. I know. I like, I try not to, I don't like to look past the in, uh, exterior on the listings because I like to look at them together with my guests. Yeah. So like here, I'm like, this gives me like, like straight up, like this could be like seance house. Yeah. Big time. So the first thing that came to me, if you go back to the, the front page was actually that in the, I don't know if that's a gable or what that is, the little tower there. Yeah. There was a little girl that lived in that room, and she really loved this house. Um, yes. The reason it's the color green is it that what the house wanted to be was it wanted to honor that little girl's love for it. So green is the color of our heart and our heart chakra. So that whoever colored it green was basically picking up on her desire for the love that she had for this particular home. Let's see if they're going to show us the tower room. Yeah. So this is like the interior foyer. And for so those... They're going back probably... Do we know how old this house is? Maybe a hundred? Uh, it doesn't say on here on the listing. It doesn't look like... Looks it. like it's at least a hundred. So Yeah, this is at least a hundred years old, guys. We're looking in the foyer. It's at all... This time, at the time that the house was built, I believe this was like a pretty... Um, like swank neighborhood when the home was yes. built. Like I doubt that there was any houses around it. Yeah, oh. this was like for a family of like uh, well-to-doers essentially back when, you know, when it was first built in this area. 
Well, you can tell this doctor. You could have, like, this is like seance room. Like, you could put a curtain up and a table, like, right there. (laughs) I would love to sit there. I bet you people sat there and just got warm. Yeah. I feel like also at one point there was probably a table in there. Yes. It's like a dining room. It does. I always crack up at, like, these vents that are down here. I always think, like, oh, my God, if I walked over it with a high heel. (laughs) Yeah. I would trip. Oh, there's this staircase or part of the landing going up. And I love that because, like, kids could play there and, like, totally imaginative. I'm not sure what I'm looking at here. Room. Seems kind of maybe it's got a table and it's got kind of like a sideboard type. Yeah, that looks like almost like it was a dining room credenza. Yeah. Or it could have been one of those old stereos. You're probably younger than me, but back in Ah. the day, these were actually stereos. Like people had their, their stereos were inside of these like living room and dining room credenza. You know what I'm wondering it is because on the next photo, oops, isn't that a butler's pantry or butler's? Yeah. Quarter right there. This house is begging to be redone. Begging to this be is like to where someone has the same love of it that they had when they first owned it. This whoever did this loved like stonework, very, very detailed fireplaces. Uh this is like a crescent moon fireplace, yep. floor almost ceiling brickwork um that's a well-loved space this is a well-loved space this is a nice reading nook this house screams help me save me yes that's exactly it it wants to be it wants to be redone it wants to it wants to be put back and it doesn't matter if some of the details are taken away but it wants to be redone is there a basement to this house I, I, this is the last picture on the carousel. Yeah, there's a basement. I think there's a basement. Oh, yeah. But look, here's the pink room with the girl you were talking about. There had to have been a girl back then. I don't know if it's the tower room, but look at this. Oh, my God. I want to know secret. Well, it's not so secret passageway, but look at that door. It's like, you guys, it's like as if you came into a room and you turn to the right. And there's a little fireplace that kept the room warm. And then next to the fireplace is like a, um, it's a doorway, but it's an oval-shaped door that looks like it goes down a secret passage behind bedrooms. Yeah. Yeah. I bet you they hear kids running back and forth in that all the time. (laughs) There's that little girl. Yep. I bet you that. I mean, it's not like they're haunting it, but it's what I said. Like, it's like falling upon it it's like when a new family moves in she just wants them to love it the way that she loved it and turn it back to what it was like she wants her room to be like a little girl's room again with like dolls and princess stuff and tea parties and so she'll come in to kind of like say um like yeah take care of my home like it'd be sad if this house were to be torn down Um, yeah I think it'll be swept up pretty quick because the neighborhood looks like it's got houses next to it that are occupied. See, okay. This show I want to do. I want to do a show where where we go into these houses and we tell their stories and then we redo them and take them back to where they're meant to be. Right? Let's do it. 
Do it, girl. Get it done. Okay. Next on deck. I love these brick colonial style homes that you don't know if it's a home, if it's like a military base office or possibly insane asylum. Yeah. So I, the completely different energy of that other space. Uh, well, love this one is like the people there where not kind people, they didn't take care of their workers. Like, uh, I pick up on a lot of energy of arguments between the owners and they were married. If they were married, they didn't like each other at all. Um, yeah, I don't think anybody ever was, like, murdered, killed, or died in there, but people, as they walked out of the home, like, just their, the chaos and pain that they felt while working in the space definitely carried over into their homes and energy where they went. Well, but even the listing, when you read the listing, matches exactly what you're saying Yeah, about the home just a little bit, that it's, you know, kind of like a dramatic style home. Listed for seven fifty in Winona, Minnesota. Yeah, sprawling this mansion house is a house that one hundred percent whoever bought it needs a complete and total energy cleanse. Like yeah. every ounce of this space needs to be energetically cleaned and cleared. It does. Yeah, and I'm like I keep seeing fingers. Its fingers go everywhere, which means. People coming in and out constantly going everywhere. So not only like is it the house that was like the energy inside of it, but it got taken with people everywhere. So this house has like literally strings of fingers everywhere in this community. Wow. This almost looks like a large ballroom. Ooh, I got a ping in my head like a headache looking at this place. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, this home has like very negative vibes for sure. Guys, it... It seems like one of those homes that's like they try to make it look inviting or like we're safe here, but you know you're not. Yeah, yeah, agreed. Uh, ooh, what was that? Hold on. <laughs> oh, oh, the terracotta carpet, and I don't, I don't even know how to describe this kind of peach wallpaper with looks like white bloomed flowers in here. This, this, I would, no, I wouldn't do well in that room. No. So this energy with the color of orange and that being about our sacral chakra and our, you know, femininity and our power. So this person who created this space was like trying to awaken their femininity. I don't know if the person who lived here at during some point um, was struggling with like her decision to be a parent or a mother and, um, wasn't even sure if she wanted to be one, but felt the pressure from her family to be a parent, even if it wasn't her. This is probably going back many generations in this home, but I can definitely pick up on that too. Yeah. And this is how energy lingers. Like, even though, is that woman still hanging about in that home? No, but her energy lingered. Her story is still there until it gets cleared. Bathroom's kind of cool. Yeah, I'm I'm digging that, but it just the whole house is it need it needs cleaning, like physically, energetically. I don't think I would do well staying. I wouldn't feel comfortable here. I wouldn't be able to relax. So this is the room that they tried to bring love into because that's where that green shows up. Like they tried to like this room gave them happiness, and so they they brought that green color in to try to bring the love into that space. It's the only space that has a little bit of like. Um, trying to recreate it energy. Yeah. 
And they tried to put the brown in there for that stability, that that earth, that like stay here. We need you here. There a kitchen that's been redone in this house? I think there was a. I don't think it's been redone, but we saw that kind of that. Um, wait a minute, hold on. That might have been the other house. Oh, there she is. She added again. Look, girl. Look the orange. orange. I've never seen a room like this in my entire life, you guys. This is like an a bottom floor room, but it's got long oval like crescent ceilings and on top of the crescent it's like layer of white layer of orange wallpaper with x's patterns on it and white or tan carpet this room is confusing to me girl well, I think those x's in the wallpaper represent the fighting about the femininity like Oh, like exit out. Yeah, it's like they're fighting against their femininity. That's what I pick up on why they chose that. Because ultimately everybody, like we're all living our beliefs and our thoughts. And so they come out in the colors that we choose and the homes that we choose, the spaces, what we put inside of them, the knickknacks, like the colors of what we're choosing to wear even. It all is part of it. It says in the listing that it has a hidden library. Let's see. That looks like an outdoor patio. Now, that's cool because that's like, so that's the thing about outdoor spaces is outdoor spaces tend to have a little happier vibe. Why? Because they're outdoors and nature's. And nature's is naturally an energy cleanser. So you're not going to find like too much dark and dreary stuff. You'll always be able to have it be more of a blank slate and a little bit cleaner. Oh, yes. It says the name of this house, or I guess what they call this is the... The Briar Chrome, Briar Combe. Well, I'm going to write that down because now I got to go find out the history. Yeah, I know. I'm like, I've got to go. Yeah, Bria or Briar Combe Farm. Uh, if I'm mispronouncing this, I am terribly sorry. Say, we just need to use this as uh, pitching our show. That's <laughs> like, right. We can hey, look. It's got look, look. I mean, it's eight thousand square foot feet, eight bedrooms, six baths, six fireplace. Original woodwork, hidden library, which I want to see this hidden library. Billboard room, architectural detail. Yes. I guess this is the summer gazebo that they're talking about. And apparently it's right next to a golf course. So you can look this listing up. It's listed for $750 by Jenny um, um, Sesqui. God, I'm so horrible at names sometimes with the the last names. Sesqui would be my guess. Maybe yeah. Eden Out Realty. So I mean, it's I, I would I would love uh, I, I first house I would stay in. This house I would park in the driveway and I would stay in my RV in the driveway. This house I would bring all of my tools over to cleanse it energetically. You need an energetic vacuum to just get get rid of all of that stuff. And then you've got to bring in nature to that house. So if I were going to renovate this house, it would be materials like bamboo, um, teak, anything to bring nature inside to get rid of all that that energy that was. Yes, I would. I would definitely do that. And we can on there. So those are some of my my favorite like things I like to do with my guests because I just like to be a little bit different than every single person. <laughs> Stop there. You should just do that podcast. Like that should just be your podcast. Well, actually, I listen to this podcast called Ghosted, and she always gives me like 
do you know who she is ghosted by with Roz Hernandez? Oh, she's absolutely hilarious. And she plays certain games with her her uh, guests. And I was like, you know what? I can do the same thing. Let me see. What can I come up with? But so I like, love that idea of just like looking at houses and see. Yeah. Are we going to book it there? Are we going to book it out of there? Uh, <laughs> yeah. I, well, you know, if you get to know the show. So that's the show I would love to do is to do a show where I get to go into homes and pick up on the story and the energy and then clear it and then redecorate it. Like the house, because houses tell you what they need. They'll tell you what floor they want. They'll tell you what color it wants to be. So work with like a designer who can reinvigorate the home based on what the home's saying it wants. That can't be too hard to throw together. No, it doesn't. So if anybody's watching, listening, that's my show. You just watch the you just watch a little bit of, <laughs> of the pitch. You got the pitch right there. <laughs> and we can, you know, we just need a little even oh wait, did it have the number? Even the numerology. Did that house have the number? Like what was the house number? Did it say? I don't know if it said the house number, but it said that it was selling for seven fifty. Oh, it did. It does say the house number. Okay, what was the house number? Two two five seven one. Okay, so the numerology of that house is I hope that's not the listing number on here. Okay, so the numerology of it is an eight, which means that house has been an umbrella for many people. So it's housed a lot of people, a lot of people, as I said, coming in and out. It's been a home for people, people that live there, also serve there. So it's been a big umbrella for, and that's why it's carrying so much energy. It's just had so many people in and out of it over the years, over its you gotta open up the flow. Yeah. <laughs> well, that, yeah, that house was definitely interesting. Um, well, I thank you, Laura, so very, very much for coming on. You guys find her. All of her stats will be in the show's listings, no matter if you're watching this on one of the networks or Patreon or if you're listening in. Go and find her. She is freaking absolutely fabulous to connect with and as always guys if you have any topics or questions that you want answered to the show you know hit us up let us know what you need on there until the next time guys stay cool that's all i got thank you Thank you for tuning into the Haunted Road Trips show, where we share powerful conversations, insights, and exciting site investigations that reveal the paranormal world in a way you've never seen before up until now. Remember to visit our website at www.hauntedroadtripsshow.com and enjoy even more great episodes like this one. Again, while you're here, subscribe to us via your favorite network. We look forward to seeing you next time on the Haunted Road Trips show. And remember, paranormal history is dying to be heard.